Welcome to the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour. And here we are. So, this episode is one of the ones that I've uh, had waiting on the bench. And it turns out that it is actually incredibly relevant to what's going on right now because we're seeing things fall apart in a wide variety of ways. And so, confronted with that situation, the main question that any reasonable person would ask is, well, how do things hold together? How do we get things to actually be functional? Instead of stopping the dysfunction, because can we all agree that that's not going to happen? You know, this, this thing has so much momentum behind it. There's a long history that's led to where we are right now. You can only patch the wall, the dam, for so long. So I think we're really at the point where we just need to think about, okay, it's not picking up the pieces, it's just getting a good understanding of how things actually work. And there's two things that I want to mention in preface here. One is a concept from Chinese medicine and Chinese philosophy that basically says that death, the end of a organism's existence, is coincident with the separation of yin and yang. In order for life to function, yin and yang have to dance together. They have to have a smooth operation with each other, even though they're contradictory. You could say they're incommensurable conjugates. Little tip of the hat to Mr. Wheeler there. So, things go haywire when yin and yang can no longer dance together. Now, you could say that civilizations go haywire when there's a lot of confusion about gender. Because that's the basic yin-yang of the species. This is actually something that's explicitly noted by Camille Paglia. That historically, we see that when civilizations are coming to a close, or preceding their decline and collapse, there is an obsession with and confusion about sex and gender. And that's not to say that women are yin and men are yang, although that's typically how it's presented. There is a mixture of yin and yang in all of us. And of course, yang comes from yin, and yin comes from yang. They are incommensurate conjugates. They are married. Yin and yang don't get along naturally. They have to learn how to get along because they contradict each other. And many people in marriage notice that that's the basic dynamic within a marriage, that there's some fundamental contradiction, a completely different way of seeing things, different set of priorities, if you like, 
which is not to say that there's a specific group for men and women, although there are some stereotypes which uh, may hold some water in many cases. But the idea of marital bliss, you know, our marriage made in heaven, of course, you could say that fundamentally heaven is the thing that brings together difference. So our idea of what a marriage made in heaven is, is perhaps a bit Hollywoodized. You know, marital bliss is more along the lines of coming to terms with the divide, coming to terms with the the differences, coming to terms with the impossibility of fully understanding the other. And making peace with that, making peace with that within yourself for the sake of the whole, for the sake of everyone. Yin and Yang disagree. But they can't live without each other. They don't exist without each other. Just as the human species wouldn't exist without male and female. So I don't care how you map the yin and yang on the gender, because they keep flipping from side to side, right? At one time, human societies were largely matriarchal. So was that yin or was that yang? The point is that every relationship, every fundamental relationship, has that interlocking mechanism. And I'm not talking about physical biology. I'm talking about consciousness. So, how does that work? What is that dance? It's a counterintuitive and not well-known fact that molecules or atoms bind together. They actually release energy. It takes energy to break them apart, but when they come together, they release energy. Another way of saying that is that they return to a, a lower state of energy, or that they enter a lower state of energy. So when things are flying apart, we have a high energetic situation. There's a lot of uh, turmoil, a lot of discord, a lot of violence, potentially. Well, the natural counteracting force would be to go to a lower energy state, which are for things to bind together again. And the most fundamental way that things are bound together is on the basis of, of committed relationships. It doesn't necessarily even have to be male-female marriage, but I think that that's the most natural way of it being. There's such a long history of it. And we do fit together, the male and the female. And it does produce children, so it has that potential for continuation of the species, which seems pretty fundamental when it comes to uh, living things, right? Now, we may be entering a different phase, for better or worse, where... Like the social insects, the reproductive capabilities are handed over to a specialized group. They specialized everything else, right? And it would make sense that in a very large 
population that's difficult to manage, controls would be placed on everything. But we still do have this, one might say, classical sense of what it means to be human. And those of us who are interested in continuing to be human in that classical way might think carefully about what is required to maintain humanity. Now, of course, humanity is a mixed bag, and there's an awful lot of baggage that goes along with the term. So it seems that the world is divided between those who think of humanity as something awesome and noble and those who think of humanity as something despicable. And perhaps we can all point to specific cases where that would be more or less a poster child for one or the other. But certainly whatever it is that we are, I think most people would prefer to find a way to move towards a better humanity and to dissuade some of the more horrible, unthinkable aspects of humanity. We may as well try and steer it in the right direction because we have everything to lose if we don't. So here's a discussion with Judah about how to hold things together between incommensurate conjugates. Hope you enjoy it. If you want to support the show, you know what to do. It's all in the show note description. And that's it. Here we are. It's Judah, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so good to be here. Hopefully there are ladies and gentlemen in the audience. <laughs> don't really know how many who identify. Does anyone identify as a lady or a gentleman anymore? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, well, they are out there. <laughs> Well, um, yes, we're going to try and get as much Judah as we can over the next brief period of time because he's going to disappear into other realms. And so, and so we may, you know, hopefully continue oh. online, but yeah. the audio quality will be significantly <laughs> decreased. <laughs> well. And, you know, it's also likely that the exchange won't be as lively or right or giddy that's right you know it's just so, different when, when, when we're not in each other's presence uh, that's, that's just the nature of things so but you know life has we have to follow our paths so that is true judah's path is leading elsewhere yes. so we wish him the best in that and and we were just kind of talking about the various things that are going on and uh, stumbled across this topic <laughs> that we're going to now discuss for your enjoyment or <laughs> or uh, maybe well, maybe something other than enjoyment. I don't know. Oh, no, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe your confoundment. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I had listened recently to a rabbi, and it's very unusual that I enjoy listening to a rabbi. <laughs> I have to say, I've tried many times <laughs> to find a rabbi that I can actually get into, and it, it just typically doesn't happen. There's a couple that I find interesting from time to time. I'll listen, but in general, it's there always gets to be a point where I'm like, hmm, 
I don't know. You know, I don't know if I could be more specific than that, but it seems like quite often things just don't 100% add up, at least in my head, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I did hear this commentary recently by a rabbi who, I don't know, I have to listen to a bit more to see to what extent I can really get with uh, what it is that he's putting out there. But at least in this particular commentary, I thought it was really interesting. And his name is Rabbi Manus Friedman. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he has a video called What Men and Women Need each other to know mm. that has a number of really interesting points. And part of it has to do with an interpretation of Genesis, an understanding that the idea of man coming from dust is equivalent to saying that man comes from nothing, in essence. That uh, the experience of being a man is of feeling that you came from nothing and also dreading the possibility that you might be nothing. And so there's always in the core of every man's being this kind of uh, need to prove yourself mm. and to feel that you amount to something because inside of us we have this feeling, this nagging suspicion that maybe we are just <laughs> Really are nothing. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like one of the great objections that many people have about you know, the biblical account of the creation of man and woman is that woman is taken from Adam's rib, right? Uh, but what he says is that what this means is that the woman is not nothing, that the woman is coming from something already created mm. and that she doesn't suffer from that existential dread. She knows that she's something. Right. She knows that she, she has an inherent knowing of her worth. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, you could say that that's because it's built upon a sense of already being. Mm. And so, you know, in if you're going to talk about the dialectic between the spirit and the matter, right? Mm -hmm. Then the thing which comes first from the spirit is going to be like, whoa, what are, what am I doing here? You know, what is this? You know, and then the thing that would come after that would be like, oh, well, there was already something here, so we're all good. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's a really interesting interpretation. It, it kind of makes a lot of sense, you know. It's deep poetry, right? Right. And then he goes on to say that uh, that men have a real hard time with criticism because it brings up this existential dread and fear of us being nothing, right? Whereas what women really want is appreciation. Mm. Uh, and he also says that men and women cannot get along. And we can never, no matter how much we study this, really understand the other in this sense because it's such a different experience of being that we can't really know it. Right. And then he says... <laughs> That's fascinating. Okay, there, there's a lot to chew on there's here. There's a lot to chew on there. So, okay. But there's really only two more parts okay. at least that I can remember. There might okay. be more things in there, but the two other things that I remember is he says that marriage is created so that men and women will stop being men and women and become husbands and wives. And he says that one of the biggest problems with marriage is that people will get married and they will continue to behave as if they were men and women and will not make that transition into becoming husbands and wives. It's very. He does not, if I remember correctly, I've only listened to it once, so maybe I'm forgetting, but he does not tell us what it means to be a husband or a wife. That was going to be my question. <laughs> <laughs> does does he allude to date on what it means to be a husband and a well, wife? Well, 
No, but I think there's some interesting information inherent within the, the terms. Mm-hmm. So husband apparently means housebound, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So a house is an enclosure. A mm-hmm. house is like a, a, a temple of being, you could say. Sure. Right. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah. bet is the Hebrew letter associated with an enclosure. Mm-hmm. It's also the first letter of of uh, Genesis. It's the first letter of uh, Tanakh. Huh. Right. So, in the beginning, you could say <laughs> was bet, which is an enclosure. Uh-huh. It's a distinction between internal and, out- and, external. and external. So it's like yeah. a membrane. It's like the cell yeah. wall. Uh-huh. It's the wall of the abode. Boundary right? layer. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a place within which one can reside. Uh-huh. Right. So mm-hmm. it could be like considered the place of of creation is within a bubble. Right. The universe. Sure. A womb. The universe has a boundary layer at its edge, mm-hmm. defined by probably you know the speed of light as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that boundary is, in essence, the bubble within which we're living. Being bound to the enclosure is what the husband is about. So the husband is about putting the wife first. Mm. Like, don't worry about your existential dread. She needs you more than that. (laughs) You know, it's devotion to the creation in the same way that God is devoted to the creation. You are devoted to the wife. It it seems to me that that would give purpose and meaning also. Exactly. And it also gets you out of your self-involved fear of annihilation. (laughs) Yeah. And you no longer are nothing now because you're something. You're, you're, you, you now have the purpose and meaning of providing for this, this, this being that you're, 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 you're Precisely. now attached to. And that's one of the most amazing things is the extent to which the metaphor of marriage plays through both Old Testament and New Testament. Mm. It's really a, an incredibly uh, central metaphor for the entire right. uh, tradition, you could right. say. Right. And it makes perfect sense. That kind of devotion that w- would be the only way that one could resolve the sense of internal void. Right. Because there's a truth in that internal void, mm. right? And we, mm-hmm. we've discussed this in various episodes where we're speculating about the origin of existence, right? Right. right. So ontological beginnings, you could say. Right. And, you know, what it would mean to be the creator under the conditions before the creation. Mm-hmm. In essence, you would be a creator in a void. Right. And so the void would play this profound role in whatever would happen subsequently. And I think, you know, the good case could be made that that void would be the motivation for the creation because God knows that experiencing nothing but void couldn't be anything but terrifying. Utterly. So there's a little bit of that in all of us, sure. you know, or at least from the point of view of the rabbi, it's mm-hmm. a little bit of, of it in all men. Right. right, right, right. And and I guess that we can't really speak a hell of a lot to what it is that women have, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's he's the rabbi and he's saying <laughs> that there's no way that we'll be able to understand. Yeah. He puts it in the terms that he does, but I think it's fair to say that there are more holes in his understanding of women than there are in, in his understanding of men, which would make perfect make, sense. Absolutely, we right? need you know we need a woman on this podcast. My wife has been saying that, <laughs> and I've tried to inv- I've invited a couple, but so far no takers. Yeah, I, I, I tried to get Nisa to come on, and she said no, not going to do it. See, they're, they're a lot smarter than we are. That's right. <laughs> are there any women listening? 
Will you please let us know? <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion. Probably not. I, I <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> so, I'm th- so I'm thinking about what, what you've shared, and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking about this, and I said this before we started, was that... Uh, you know, my my partner and I we we do we do uh, preventive maintenance counseling. Hmm. You know, I think is really healthy, and we are working on this side project of my personal material, right? That my, mm-hmm. so my function. go ahead, give the web address. Go ahead. Okay, okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> www.judavitel j u d a h v e i t e l dot com and so where i do uh, functional uh, nutrition functional medicine education for healthcare practitioners mm-hmm. right and um but it's a side project and and we were hoping to like get that up and running and earning income uh to support us out there and she felt really good about that because there would be shared income there she mm-hmm. is my personal assistant like this literally would not be happening without her help so it was kind of like 50-50 right mm-hmm. but the reality of generating enough income to live in Boulder off the bat with a uh, new yeah. venture like that yeah exactly it's, it's like yeah i mean that's a pipe dream yeah not I mean, that it's, it's beyond but it would be it it might be something that can build over time, exactly. But you know, without there being exactly. something already uh, generating income right. that would be supporting, I think it's a, it's a long struggle to establish something like that. Exactly, it's similar and, to what we're doing with this podcast. You know? <laughs> so it's you know, there's there's an uptick of mm-hmm. listenership on a on a steady basis, but right. we're still talking you know potatoes. Yeah, so and, and I don't want to be freaking out. Exactly, you, you know. know? It would be crazy. It would would be crazy to put all of your eggs into that basket. Absolutely right. So, so we're talking. We're sharing this with our counselor, and then she made a comment like, "Well, I've kind of given up on on doing that. I I just don't. I don't. I don't trust that that uh, he's going to follow through with the project." Right. Ooh, that must have felt great. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yep. I had that. That hit deep. And uh, um, so yeah, so what's so, the way to address that? Well, you know? what it triggered in me is that am I really nothing? Right. Like she doesn't trust that. Like this is my vision, and my vision is me. It's an extension of me. It's like she doesn't trust that I'm going to follow through. That am I nothing? Right. It just, it went right to that core wound, and I didn't think about that until you said it a moment ago. <laughs> Great! Where I was like, "Holy shit!" That's exactly what I experienced yesterday when she said that. It was like all my existential angst about being nothing. Yeah, I, I wondered to you know how often do most of us guys experience that? You know, I I experience it. Pretty regularly, yeah. you know. I think that yeah. probably, you know, if I'm understanding Jordan Peterson correctly, he says that it's only really the the people at the upper end of the hierarchy who are able to uh, disable those voices. You might say, mm. you mm-hmm. know, because they have enough uh, um, they have enough positive feedback from the world on a consistent basis to be able to silence that voice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on some level, you might say that they're somewhat distant from reality i suppose you know uh, or out of touch with the common person yeah maybe that's more a, way, a better way to put it 
Um, or perhaps you could say, well, they're just more devoted to the um, to the material, you know, because mm-hmm. in, in essence, that's what we're being asked to do is to just be more devoted to her, right? right? right. And so, in essence, it's the demand of the goddess. If you want to stick around, mm-hmm. then you've got to serve her, right? 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 So. It's interesting how that all kind of fits together thematically. You know, there's there's a lot of consistency in that vision of things. Mm-hmm. You know, and it does. I, I imagine that there would be a lot of people who would have a, a lot of difficulty with the gender references in this conversation. Mm-hmm. So you know, the idea that there's some sort of traditional male female. It's almost like that that kind of thing can get you arrested nowadays. You know, <laughs> so. It, 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 well, yeah, and the reality <laughs> is, is you can't fight. You can't fight millions of years of evolution. <laughs> it's just like sorry, you I, know, I, 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 you just can't. It really is mind blowing that people are being taken to task for saying that there are differences between the sexes. That, yeah, that is unbelievable. Apparently, yeah. like the most recent casualty of that whole thing was uh, what's the name of the woman who wrote the Harry Potter series? Oh, uh, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, apparently she made some kind of a of a statement about uh, there being I don't remember the exact details, but something about there actually being biological differences between males and females, and now there's like outrage. <laughs> you know? Well, uh, let's just you know uh, let's just run some simple hormone panels, and I'll show you the biological differences between male and female from a hormonal perspective. I know, but you're trying to be reasonable. I'm sorry. Yeah, that has nothing to do with what's going on here. You know, we need to buck let's... hormones and buck biology and evolution and. Well, and that's and that's the crisis we find ourselves in. Yeah, we are in a massive identity crisis. Absolutely, you know, and that that is another. Uh, I would say biblical. There's a biblical reference to that, which is the Tower of Babel. Yeah, you know, or yeah. the Land of Babel, mm-hmm. where the tongues were confused. Right, people couldn't understand what they were saying anymore. There was no meaning to the words. You could say, in a certain sense, and the culture was not able to uh, effectively transmit information within itself. So then a house divided cannot stand and it just ain't a pretty picture. It's like that's one of the biggest things. Things do have to make sense. Right. You know, it's, it's like, okay, right. yes, be devoted to her but also be devoted to the truth. Yes. You know, and that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. So it's like there is a fundamental truth that's being described in the first part of what we're talking about in this conversation which has to do with – if you want to avoid that sense of existential dread, then devote yourself to the to the world that you find yourself in. You know the enclosure, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That that's there. You could say husbandry in the largest sense is simply taking care of the world. Take care of it. Yeah. Take out the garbage. That's right. Do all of the various tasks. You know, you, you have a whole bunch of things that need to be done in order to maintain the world. That's what you do and you devote yourself to that. But in the course of that, if you're being – if it's being asked of you to lie in order to get from point A to point B – if you're being asked to believe in things that you don't believe in to get right. from point A to point B, uh, that's where the line is drawn. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, no, I cannot not see things the way I see them. You might be able to provide me with an argument or a reason to see it differently, and I'm perfectly willing to listen to all mm-hmm. that. 
but just insisting that I'm wrong for saying that there are differences between men and women, mm-hmm. that doesn't work. No. You right. know? Now I can still That's, like take out the garbage and be of service to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to get all pissed off and go to my corner and be like, "Well, fuck you." And you know, like, <laughs> no, 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 we still have a job to do here. Let's do it. But let's just be very clear. Yeah. Uh, that's complete nonsense. Yeah. And we shouldn't take any of the people who are trying to force the world to uh, deny what's so obviously the case. Right. You know, that is a very bizarre situation to be in right now. Absolutely. Well, and it's, it's not good for anyone. I mean, this is one of the things that we know clinically is that when women begin doing male-oriented roles Mm. and jobs, Mm -hmm. they have a higher risk of uh, traditional male-oriented diseases. Interesting. Yes. Wow. Yes, like heart disease and other things. So Mm. there's that. that's the thing. It's like when you try to fit... Nature versus nurture. In essence, right? Absolutely. Environment versus organism. Right. I mean, and it's, it's, you know... Nutrition, too. You could think of it in those terms that we've spoken about many times. Yeah. Of like, what are the overall thing that the organism is taking in? Right. It's not just the food. It's the That's environment. Right. It's the mental activity. That's right. That's right. And you are what you eat. Yeah. Is, you know, not just food eat, but also information, environment, conditions, Everything the whole story. Everything you choose to take in. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, so it's it's hmm. it's you know, and not saying, and it you know, there's always anomalies, right? Right. Yeah, there's outliers. always outliers. Yep. Right. So, are you saying there's a bell curve? I am saying there is a oh, bell curve. Shit, I man. know you are in trouble. I'm being Damn. way too rational right now. <laughs> <laughs> but but the reality is is that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we are biologically different. We have traditionally, throughout history, performed different roles. Right? Yep. And it will continue to change. That's evolution, Absolutely. in essence. Absolutely. You know? you know, but we can't, you, you can't put a, you know, this is just kind of cliche, but you can't put a square peg through a round hole, right? It just, it doesn't work. Okay. Let's just, Play the devil's advocate for a okay, second here. Okay. Let's, Let's have see some now. Fun. now how Let's can you fun. can you get a square peg into a round think, hole? I think currently, right now, we are <laughs> we are ensuring that you never have a female listener on this podcast. <laughs> Boy, I really hope that's not the case. You know, I think we're Maybe making we're making a, 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 yeah. a good case for anyone who's willing to think. And yes. I, I am not yeah, going to say go. that all females. I don't think that 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 most women would have a problem with what J.K. Rowling said. Right. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I think that there are plenty of women who would readily admit that there are actual differences between males and females. It just seems like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very vocal minority that are really pushing that idea. Yeah. That, that's some kind of a problem with that observation. Right. So, uh-huh, go ahead. You know, the question is like, okay, anytime that you see a certain type of behavior exhibited, it's like, okay, if you're a diagnost- diagnostician, how do you mm-hmm. say that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you're going to try and figure out, well, what is this indicating about the state of the organism? So if we do the same thing with humanity as a species, we're kind of diagnosing, like, what's the story with humanity right now? Well, it's exhibiting this denial of its basic biology, mm, right? Mm-hmm. So what is that telling us about this species right now, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. There's a message here, right? And even if it's uh, irrational, it doesn't matter, right? It's telling us something about what's going on. Now, my suspicion and one of the things that I've been kind of coming back to on a continual basis is that humanity is, because of population density, going through a dramatic change. We are entering a completely different type of phase when it comes to our relationship not only to the world but to ourselves. Mm, mm-hmm. And that that's kind of a necessary part of what happens when you reach a certain level of population density. It's mm-hmm. like the, the characteristics of the network are determined by the number of the nodes and the number of connections between the nodes. Mm-hmm. And so now we have this world where it's like 8 billion people and almost everyone has a cell phone. So you have the potential for all this connectivity within a very dense uh, population, and there's going to be a kind of overall change. You would say, I think that we're heading towards something more like a hive mind. Yeah, well, and we live it. We live in a zoo environment nowadays. We we're not things. We're have, not in the wild. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. We, so we have left the wild. We're now in a zoo. So we're like and a cultivated so, species. So there, di- we have different. There's different roles that need to be played in. The right, zoo we're domesticated. Compared. Yeah, we're well, you know, which right. is interesting. Like the word domesticated, domicile, right? Mm-hmm. That gets back to the enclosure. That's like husband, right? Housebound, right? right. So all of this kind of, you know, there's an interesting, very, very long historical perspective because way back in biblical times, it was a traumatic thing to have kings. Hmm. Right? I mean, there's that moment where the first king, I'm trying to remember, I wish that I was a better biblical scholar than I am. God basically says, the people are petitioning for a king. They're like, we need someone to lead, to rule over us. And God's like, that's not a great idea, <laughs> you know? But then it happens, right? And so now you have kings, mm-hmm. and they are uh, a class of person. There are different kind of type of human being within mm-hmm. a social organization, completely different, mm-hmm. right? And it becomes necessary because of population pressures. You can't just have a free-for-all anymore. Right. There need to be a bunch of rules set down, right? It's like uh, uh, what's, the, what's the famous the law of, of Hammurabi, right. right? One of the first things written down is like, you got to behave yourself like this, right? <laughs> I'm saying so because I'm the guy who will cut your head off if you don't. Right. And it's pretty straightforward. Now we're entering another phase, and the question is, what are the consequences going to be? Because the consequences at that time were that, well, okay, so now we have to be more civilized, mm-hmm. right? We you know, form into a variety of different groups. We have cultures that help us to find a center and to kind of you know, behave well amongst each other, even if we're trying to kill that other culture that's down the road. It doesn't matter, you know, the main thing is that we're holding together our group and, you know, vying for a place in the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now we have much, much larger organizations, you know, and the degree to which um, we can, how, how do we say this now? What's the right way of really phrasing it? Do you have something to say at this point while I try and figure out what I want to say next? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I mean, it's stimulating a thought, but I have a feeling it might veer us off a little bit. But fuck it, let's I mean, go there. Let's go. So, I mean, this is coming back to the fact that we're we're domesticated now, right? And I mm-hmm. said we live in a zoo. Yeah. And I was just having this conversation with my youngest son, uh, Shalem, the other day, and that is that because. Because we're domesticated now, because we're living in a, in a zoo environment, and this is going to come around to the gender roles thing and everything, and that is that um, we have a lot more free time now, right? We're not like it's. Do not, we? I don't know. Well, about that. well here, listen. Hear right. me out. Uh, there was a time when it was like you had to chop wood and carry water and make sure you had food and like there, there, like basic survival. Right, right. There, uh, and that was what most of our time was dedicated to. Right, building shelter, making sure we had warmth, making sure we had food, like making sure we had all the basic survival stuff. So you had to like really. There's a lot of time invested in that, and um, a lot of things are becoming automated, and um, and so there's the same kind of jobs or whatnot aren't there anymore, Um, and what's happening is is that, yes, it's paradoxical. It seems like that we don't have a lot more spare time yet. Well, let me fine-tune that because I think that yeah. we're, we're, what it was. Well, well, in the, uh, yeah. Okay, well, I, I, all right, go. So, go. so <laughs> you know, we had a, a, a relative uh, state of uh, e- equality, you could say, in the distant, distant past where basically we were all confronted with similar types of situations in the sense that we were confronted with the natural world and we all had to deal with it. Right. Whatever way. Now, you may have had an easier time in the Fertile Crescent than you would have had up north in Scandinavia, right. but whatever. The point is that you're in, you're dealing with the natural world. And, and men had a certain role. And women had a certain yes, role. Yes, absolutely. Although there would be crossover. Absolutely. And in certain periods of time, you would see like radical, you know, there were women who would fight. Yes. Under, you know, and certain cultures had some the fierce Mon- women The warriors. Mongolians were, f- were, were famous so, for it. So, you know, so. It's, it, it's not a, like a, a hard and fast rule, but there were periods where, you know, if you had your shit together and you dealt with what you needed to deal with, you might go through the winter, yeah, you'd carry a little bit of wood and what have you, but you'd have your storehouse and it could be a relatively quiet ride for a while you'd have a right. lot of time right so i think that there were periods of time in in the ancient world where people did have a lot of time and right. i think there've been efforts to estimate what the average amount of time people would you know work in a hunter gatherer society right. would be and you know it's actually a, probably a, a lot, lot less. less yes but yes what we do have in the increase of disparity you know we have more power right mm-hmm. we're seeing disparity in all different kinds of levels so not just economic and not just political and not just you know military but now you have disparity in terms of occupation so there right. are people now who don't do much at all and there are people now who do nothing but work. You know, it, right. it's it's very difficult to find a middle ground. Right. And that's one of the really, really problematic aspects of what's going on now. Right. It's just that this that there is so many ways in which we are distanced from each other by the differences in our lives. It's also know? the fracturing of community. Mm-hmm. We used to be very community oriented, right? Big you time. had to have the community to survive. Right. We don't have that anymore. Right. The, com- the the community is at 
is simultaneously dying and also people trying to resurrect it. Yes, but it's quite right. often a uh, like a pipe dream, really. It's yeah, just because it's so difficult. Right there's now. a lot of lip service to it, and everyone's right. like online communities. Right. But, that's about yeah. And, that's and, what it's become. And the reality is, is that you don't need the community to survive anymore. Which there for was the a time, time being for the time being, <laughs> right? Which is what you know? which which in the past, like with if you weren't in the community, if you right. were cast out of the tribe or the community, that meant your life. Well, in a certain sense, possibly. you could say there is a global community, and that ever increasing numbers of people are being cast out from it. Yeah, you know, you, you said there's like a basic dislocation of mm-hmm. the older traditional ways of living, mm-hmm. and that those people are being forced into circumstances where they're either going to abide by global community standards or they are screwed. Mm-hmm. That's basically kind of the overall march of history right now. Right, and you know, there's a lot of talk about you know indigenous rights and and people returning to the land, returning to their uh, traditional ways of being. And God, I hope that's successful. Mm-hmm. But I wonder to what extent it really is right now. It's it's hard to measure that, but it seems right. that the overall trend has been in the opposite direction. Right. Unfortunately. Right. Another thing that that this, that I think about with this is is that what we're getting to do right now have intellectual discussion, right, or have time or have the opportunity to ponder deeper questions. That's um, that that's the sign of an affluent society. That's the sign. Like we have the time, we have the the ability to really sit and ponder these deeper these deeper questions, right? Which not everybody gets that opportunity to do that. Well, it's not only this. I mean, sometimes people will get condemned to a gulag, and they'll have plenty of time to think about. You know, that's happened. Dostoevsky, yeah, and Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's plenty of examples of, of, uh, but it's true, I think, in general that a culture at large will become more uh, intellectually engaged when it's affluent. Yeah. But sometimes it's really just more entertainment than actual, you know, deep thinking. I think it, it seems that quite often it's the people who are pushed to the periphery who do a bit more depth in their thinking. Right. So kind of coming full circle, yeah. taking everything we've just thrown. That's what I'm hoping thrown, you can do. Thrown out can you, there. Can right? you wrap this can up I, and I, just tie I, it all together? Can I tie the bundle here? I'm going for it. I'm going to shoot for it here, okay? Is that where we are in the modern era now is is the, um, the uh, ability to buck traditional roles. That's what it has been. And yep. and so we're in this identity crisis. Yeah, I mean, right part now. of that part of is, that trend yeah. is what has led to the point where some people are offended by the idea that there's differences between males right. and females. Right. So, but it's fascinating. I mean, it's it like is, you know when I was it's evolution. It's it, it's social evolution, and and or but, de- de-evolution. You know, well, to make the devo case. But it's a big it's a big experiment, right? And no doubt. It's it's just a big experiment. Neither right nor wrong. It's it's because we can't put a judgment on it. It's happening. Well, it's it's, it's, it's unfolding. You could say whether it's right or wrong. It's incorrect to say that there's no differences between. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, people can but, uh, can can experiment all they want to, but to force okay, people to. But this gets back to the you know round peg square hole type of thing. Yeah. Like the question is: Is there a precedent 
within nature mm. for gender right. dysphoria, let's say, or yeah. confusion about sex differences. Well, like you don't clear- see it in the animal world for the most part. Well, I mean bonobos. I, don't know. I mean the the classic. Well, the bonobos is, seem like they're they're pretty well. Set on the, they're really into I mean, sex, are, but they're yeah, the they're male the, female role. Yeah, the male female role is established. I think I don't for know. The most part, I don't, I'm, there, there's I'm not no, an there's expert no, on bonobos. Yeah, I mean, but sharks. Hmm. Now, I, if I'm not mistaken, sharks can actually change their sex under certain conditions. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I should actually look that up, but I'm that's, pretty damn sure that I read that that's, and there's a number of other organisms that are actually able yeah. to change their sex, like within one creature. They don't yeah. have to do a number of genera. It's like, yeah, that well, one can go. It's an adaptation to a change in it. So that suggests, if that's true, I'm going to have to look this up, that, that there is a precedent mm-hmm. for fluid identity, let's right. say. Yeah. Right? right? Now, it may be that fundamentally the technology that's being developed now, I mean, they're working really hard to be able to allow men to turn to women and women to turn to men. And now it's sort of like pretend at this point, you know, they can dress up and pass, right? But they're not reproductively capable yet, right? Right. But who's to say that that isn't something that's developed in the future? And if that's the case, then what does it really mean? You know, then when someone is born as a male or a female, are they really definitely that <laughs> wow boy and if so, that isn't tinkering with uh uh the creator's plan i don't well know. what did the shark do you know yeah. if if it's true let's say just for the sake of argument i can't you know i'm not going to look it up right now but i'm pretty de- go okay go ahead you look it up see if I can, can sharks can sharks change their sex <laughs> but let's just say for whether it's sharks or anything else if there is an organism that has done it in the past right was it also an affront to the divine plan when it started doing that? You know, like what was going on within the species that, during the time where, where it would be able to do that? I mean, I would assume actually that in the case of a shark or something like that, that they would probably be in a situation where there are very few sharks and they needed to be able to turn into the opposite one just in order to have some potential for procreation. But that's just an assumption on my part. I don't know if that's what would be the kind of environmental pressure that would produce it. Nevertheless, what do you find out there, sir? So it's not that they can change their sex. It's that females can go from sexual to asexual. In sharks, asexual reproduction can occur when a female's ah. egg is fertilized by an adjacent well, but cell it, but known this, as a polar body. Right, right, right. So when you say asexual, it, it implies that they, they don't reproduce, but that's not what's being said. Basically, it's, it's saying that an individual organism can produce within itself. A female... Yes, it can produce can, an egg and then fertilize, and fertilize his, it his own herself. Egg. Right. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so that's a little different so than what I was saying. it's not that it can but, become a male. But... On you know, on some fundamental level, if the job of the male is to fertilize the egg, then yes, she well, becomes a male. Right. Well, this is this happens. <laughs> right. This is necessary. Quote that this that may be necessary at times when males are scarce. There you go. So a big war amongst the shark populations. Most of the men are wiped out, and the women need to continue. Mm-hmm. Right. So mom's genes get passed down from female to female until. Uh, there are males available to mate with. Right. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
There's another interesting thing that uh, has been pointed out to me by Bala, Lawrence Lyons, who's someone who yeah. I refer to from time to time, mm-hmm. and maybe someday he'll be on the podcast. But he talks about how men are like things falling off the side of the species. Like men are – it's like the seed just kind of going, well, and just sloughs off to the side. But the actual uh, body of humanity is a continuity through woman. That, that, you know, women produce the bodies of humanity and that it's the through line. It's like that's the, really the continuity of the body of humanity is through women. Huh. Is that, so correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the Jewish lineage through the female side? Yes, that's right. It's a matrilineal yeah. um, custom, I guess yeah. you could say, because, you know, now there are people who convert, like Sammy, Dav- Sammy Davis Jr. became a Jew. So that's not kosher. <laughs> but but it happens now. So, you know, and then there are people who you meet whose mothers are not Jewish, but their father was, and you're right. like, oh, dude, you are Jewish. <laughs> you know, it's like pretty obvious. So, but, but technically, yeah, that was the tradition. Right. I don't know exactly how it's viewed now in, you know, I mean, obviously in reform circles, they couldn't care less. But I wonder right. what the, right. the, um, the orthodox and the... Um, Oh, what is it? this guy? Is is uh, Hasidim? Yeah, yeah. I, would, I don't know what the Hasidim yeah. say about that, but I know that traditionally it was extremely important that you marry a Jewish woman. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the classic old thing is you know if if a Jewish guy brings home or talks about a woman that he's interested in, is she Jewish? Is the first question mm-hmm. out of everyone's mouth. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Long history in that, um, but that seems to be a basic pattern that you know might be interrupted in cases like um, seahorses. You know, right. seahorses the males carry the the the, the ch- young, the young. Yes, right. Yes. So that's another interesting little reversal. It's right. you know. It's an outlier. It's not in the center of the bell curve, but mm-hmm. there it is, yeah. and it's natural. Right. So when we're feeling affronted by some of the things that are being said right now, that's why I'm saying, okay, I'm playing the devil's advocate here because mm-hmm. obviously it's insane to say there's no difference between men and women. But when we look at the natural world, there are some signs that indicate that this kind of thing has sort of happened before, and so maybe we should be a little bit more careful about what we're judging, right? Right. I see this as a striving. Okay, so this is one of the thoughts that I have around this is that I see this as a striving, an external striving for the evolution of humanity, which in my opinion is the internal integration of our masculine and feminine. so, you see this new uh, development it's, it's, within it, humanity, it's, this it's kind of sexual exter- questioning? Well, it's an externalization, right? Like what, you know, the, the solution to the patriarchy isn't the matriarchy. Right, right? Exactly. It's not further polarization. I think what we're moving towards is a more internally balanced masculine and feminine. A marriage. Right, a marriage. Marriage, God right? willing. Exactly. Right? So what we're seeing is this externalization of like men wanting to become women, women wanting to become men. This, you know, I want to be more masculine. I want to be more feminine. But it's the externalization of it rather than saying, 
oh, it's actually the inner masculine, right. the inner feminine. And, and because we are in an externalized time. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a period that's characterized by the obsession with the image. Yes. And so people think that yeah. the image is what's real. Right. But that ain't what it is. Exactly. There's an inner drive for that because it's an inner process. See, this becomes very scary when you think about what does it mean to be someone who is internally one thing and presenting externally as another thing. Right. That I find to be somewhat terrifying. It's confusing. Yeah, no doubt. It is confusing. I mean, I think that that everyone is legitimately confused by the situation at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, regardless of, of where you stand on it, I think that you could say those who are advocates for the, what do we call it? The, the rainbow of genders, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. that is a confusing position to take, right? Mm-hmm. And those who are against it are also very confused by it. And I think perhaps on some fundamental level, the confusion goes beyond the reasonableness of the proposition. Are we moving towards being more androgynous? Well, as I mean, a, as a as a if, species, are if we're we following androgyny, if we're following a trajectory similar to the social insects, you know, and those are in some ways the only thing that we can point to that have the kinds of numbers and the kinds of density, you know, mm. that we're talking about, then yeah, probably, you know, we would we'll end up with something that's like a lot of drones, one queen, and a, a few males that are kept in confinement for sperm and nothing else. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the plan because the males are more disruptive Yeah, because the males are likely to show up at any moment and be like existential angst, right? So it's like this whole thing is being brought into question because of the void and you're not paying attention to it. And right. they're like, you know, fuck you, get the hell out of here. And this is <laughs> where Jordan, Jordan Peterson speaks about women being more, more uh, cooperative right. than men are. Yeah. Right? And yeah, they keep the peace, whereas the man has the existential angst and he's like, oh. I can't keep peace because I'm freaking out on the inside <laughs> and I got to do something. Right. Right. Whereas Man uh, of action. I was just having a conversation <laughs> with somebody today. He was talking about uh, uh, Cho Trumpa, uh, huh. a Buddhist, Tibetan Buddhist teacher, right? And, and he, he was saying that in this talk, uh, Cho Trumpa was saying, um, the goal is to become as bored as you can possibly be. <laughs> Because when you're bored, it allows all your angst to come out. See, now that's fascinating. And I was just thinking somewhere along those lines as well that, you know, the Jordan Peterson solution is to rise to the top of the hierarchy Mm -hmm. so that you can banish those thoughts forever (laughs) by basking in the glory of people's approval, you know, or social approval in general. It's a very much do mentality. Yes, right. Whereas the spiritual traditions say quite the opposite. Mm. It's like sit down, shut up, observe the hell that's going on inside of you and learn how to confront it without freaking out. Exactly. You know, and it seems like that's a far more realistic approach. Well, it seems like a much more um, sane approach. It's not going to, you and I have talked about this, the, the, the real action is to do nothing. 
And there's there's it there it creates less static. See, I, I wouldn't put it as you know uh, across the board because yeah. at, there are moments where well, action is necessary. Absolutely. And you know, so okay, the husband is going to have to fucking do what the husband has to do, right? Like, you can't just do. sit there and what's that? No, don't take it there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. So action is clearly something something that that. You know, partially we're driven to do, and partially we don't want to accept responsibility right. for having to do. Right. You know, so you don't want to get into the well. My internal process is something that takes precedence over all the possible things that I could do. Right. You know, that I think is just running from life. Well, yeah, that's but, I would say uh, uh, bypass. Yeah, but the reason why I think that the you know, actually confronting the internal horror of the void mm -hmm. is a better program than trying to become a great man, let's say, mm -hmm. because of the population density. You know, the only way that a man can be great is by distinguishing himself in comparison to all the others. Right. And so Jordan Peterson is always going to be greater than, let's say, 99.9% .9 of all the people who are interested in him. Right. He he's not yeah. going to get to the point where he's like, oh yeah, actually you did it better than me. Great, you know, awesome. No, that's not. That's not. There'll be some people where he'll give him a thumbs up, right? You know, and right. they'll like get one third of his listening audience, perhaps a little bit of interest there. But in reality, in a hierarchy, particularly when you're talking about extremely dense populations, the majority of us are going to be way outside of any of those oh, yeah. realms that are going to be of any interest we're to anyone. We're just a bunch of average schmucks. Yeah, we're just going to be average schmucks <laughs> that no one really gives a shit about, and we're going to struggle with feelings of inadequacy. Right. That's just like, that. that's the reality of a dense population. Right. So, so it seems to me, being an average schmuck, <laughs> the, the best way to go is to like, stop. And, and and be still for a while and allow the existential angst to rise and purge. Uh, through, to become friends with yes. the internal demons. Yes, you and know, and rad so have radical self-acceptance. It's interesting that Jung went through his crisis when he got the disapproval from Freud. Mm. <laughs> so Jung had to face the shadow at the moment where he was being criticized by the guy who had all of the cultural mojo. Right, right. And so all of that hierarchy, what's the right word? Authenticity is not really the right word, but the thing that confers... Authority. Yeah, the thing that confers legitimacy is what legitimacy, I'm looking for. So that legitimacy, go. that thing that would give you the sense that, yeah, I actually am something. Right. Right? Which just seems to be like... The most hubristic freaking thing to like come to the conclusion of. <laughs> well, it's it's, it's externally, guy, it's externally resourcing his self worth. Exactly. Right, where the whole goal is to internally resource. But what the it. rabbi is saying is that fundamentally there is no internal way to resource it. The only way to the uh, uh, the there is no internal way to um, resolve right. the dilemma that you're faced with. The only way is through service. Mm. That's basically what he's saying. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so it's an interesting combination of internal reflection, coming to terms with that, mm -hmm. but not in a way where you're like trying to examine it into submission or somehow or another get yourself so steeled to it that you can handle the full force of its weight because you can't. Right. Because you know, we're talking about annihilation. No one can handle that. 
And so fundamentally, he's saying, yeah, that's inside of all of us men, let's say, because that's what he's saying, right? Is that this is actually a difference, you know, not just we're talking hormones or biology, we're talking about psyche, right? Right. right. And that we can only resolve it through devotion, mm. right? Mm. And that marriage is the vessel for that devotion. So, you know, that you could say is perhaps just before, yeah, before we go into the reverb chamber, you could say that is perhaps one of the problems with the meditation tradition mm. is, is that it seems to suggest that you can resolve it through, sim- through simple internal mechanisms alone. And, and the practicality of this, of this position that he's putting forth right. is that no, there has to be action in the world that accompanies this internal reflection. Otherwise, it, you will get lost. And that is devotion. Mm-hmm. Devotion to the one who is your priority, which is your wife. Or the yes, circum- or- you could say like the world within which you find yourself because it's yes. not necessarily right. a wife, right? right? And it's not necessarily another human, but it Ooh. may be like the, the, you could say community, we right? Could also, you could say well, environment. Well, we are the bridegroom. Yes. Yeah. It, right. uh, ultimately, it's creation. Just in the yes. same way that God is married to right. the creation, we right. also are married, married to the creation. Yeah, you know, it's like the Assembly of Science moment just is, it's, it's not the same without you, man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really hard to get to the Assembly of Science moment, partially because, you know, almost everyone else except Jeff is a, uh, a long-distance recording. Mm. So it's just, mm. yeah, the juice of the Assembly of Science moment, man. There's you know, just there's nothing quite like it. I, you just took the words out of my mouth, man. <laughs> Literally, I was just about to say that. There isn't anything quite like no, it. No, no. There is definitely nothing yeah. like the Assembly of Science moment. Mm-hmm. Well, this was uh, a wonderful episode. And uh. God willing, we will continue to uh, to do this yeah. one way or another. Absolutely. Okay, I think I'm going to have to fly back for this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when, you know, when the podcast gets enough money, we'll fly oh, yeah. out here. <laughs> I'll buy my own ticket at this point. <laughs> Good, thanks. That's the only way it's going to happen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, remember, turn that thing over a few times before you pick it up and take it home. <laughs>